Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is an ABC podcast. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. My name is Emma Race and it's finals time, baby. For the first time in AFLW history, we are into three weeks of finals and the drama and intrigue of the season couldn't have been scripted better. If you like footy, well, you've landed at the right place because today we will deep dive the matchups with expert analyst Gemma Bastiani. We're also going to catch up with Maddie Gay from Melbourne and Steph Kiochi from Collingwood, who are both playing to keep their finals dreams alive. Joining me to rip the wrappers off the finals of our dreams are my football loving sisters of the sanctum. I got all my sisters with me. I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. I am Sister Rana Hussein. Nicole Hayes. Hello, I'm Julia Kiera. <laughs> I forgot for a sec. You forgot which it? sister you were. Yeah. Oh, I've got lots. That's all. You do. You <laughs> actually do have lots of sisters. How many sisters do you have, Julia? Four. There we go. We learned something about Julia today, everybody. Um, the round that we just had was full of highlights and lowlights. There was farewells to people who've retired semi-farewells to people who may not have retired but may not be in the same jumper next year. But we can't move past the cliffhanger of all storylines this week with Daisy injuring, Daisy Pierce that is, injuring her knee just as the D's make finals. We're standing by for updates still, but there should be a support hotline for crushed dreams. Who agrees? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was so heartbreaking and it's nerve-wracking to think that she might not be able to play. I'm hoping that um, she comes good, but it was kind of one of those moments where it was like, as fairy tale as this could be, this would be just the bad luck that none of us want. The, I mean, the good news is it doesn't seem like it's torn the medial ligament and it does seem like it's, you know, there's a strain, which is the better version, obviously, but fingers crossed if Melbourne can hold it together and, and continue on, there's a chance we might see her on the track. What do you think, Julia? Yeah, I think Look, if they win this week, it gives her an opportunity. I think if there's any possible way for her to strap the hell out of that knee and play, <laughs> it'll happen. But Daisy's also a real team player. So if she can't hold her own, she won't put herself forward. But it was also really pleasing to see that, you know, that happened really early in the game. Mm. So she was out for most of it and they managed to win that rotation down without her without her on the field, which I'm sure would have been deflating for the team, but they kept it together. But what good motivation for them to win, Mm -hmm. to make it to the next game so that she can play? That's true. Ryan, I'm going to come to you first. What was your highlight? Uh, So many close games and I felt like it was the round of quick goals in the first quarter, but my highlight is actually finally seeing a Geelong win. <laughs> I really, it's really weird to say that. And it was a funny old game, but I was really happy to see them win and just so joyous about how they played. They were like attacking the game and it, clearly they went into it thinking we don't have anything to lose here. And so they played some really great football and I thought, oh God, couldn't, if they could only have taken that into all the other games, but happy to see them get a win. And massive salute to Astro Connor, who's hung up the boots. And um, I just, she's, committed so much of her life to the growth of this game. I don't think people necessarily know how much Aster's really put in, Julia, but it's been decades, really. I came to the Darabin Falcons the first 
the same year as Asta, so we have that connection. But she was already a star in Queensland and she was really held up as kind of the premier footballer there. And we've heard from a lot of other uh, Queensland footballers who say that they always looked up to Asta. And then she came to Melbourne, continued to play at the top level, but she worked for, at the AFL for a long time um, as a, a female talent manager. And so there's a, a lot of girls running around, 18 and 19-year-olds, who owe a lot to her and she is a brilliant coach and I'd love to see her, you know, back in the system at some at some stage, putting all that wisdom that she's learnt over the over the journey uh, back yeah. out there. I really hope we find a way to remember women like Asta because the big names we know will go down in history, but there are names like Asta O'Connor that I feel like we run the risk of maybe losing a little bit. So I hope we can find a way to make sure all of those women get remembered over time. Get her a statue. Speaking about Queensland <laughs> footy, Nicole, what was your highlight? I can't go past going back to the the Brisbane-Melbourne game. Um, obviously the Daisy incident was a, was a blight on that and, and losing her so early. But um, I'm actually going to talk about the goal kicking. And what I love, I mean, you've got the 6-2-6-0 goal line, which is beautiful to anybody who, um, you know, from a distance, <laughs> except maybe Brisbane, um, but <laughs> to be at the wrong end of that. But just uh, what I've noticed in those last in the last few years is the increasing confidence of players around the goal. It was one of those things you'd see often that they'd be fumbling, they'd be reluctant to, you know, they'd want to hand off or not take the set shot or even not take a snap, you know, go to look for some help rather than um, take those tricky kicks. I saw goal after goal, mm. 12 spectacular goals <laughs> in their own right. Um, you know, obviously Courtney Hodder with her amazing kick to herself, and you know, gather <laughs> kick to herself and then boundary kick. But also um, Hanks with her, you know, persistence and her hip and shoulder that was just poetry and then to snap that. Those, just the audacity of the goal kicking, the confidence of the players now, it's a completely different competition and I just, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. I completely agree. I feel like we've seen way more confidence snaps at goal mm. and uh, there was a Chloe Malloy one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the, they know where the goals are. They're taking the shot and I think that's what the game was missing. Julia, what was your highlight? Well, look, I think we're all in agreement that the last round of the year was just a spectacular way to to finish it off. And there were three games that were decided for two points and under. North pipped Frio, which going into finals is pretty tantalising. We've already mentioned that the Ds uh, broke the hearts of the Lions by two points. But then, of course, we had the Blues win by one point. And look, last week I put Darcy Vessio in it because I said that she's been playing in third gear. <laughs> Perhaps she heard that and said, well, <laughs> Julia does only respect defenders. So I'm going to take a couple of goal line goals, uh, goal saving marks in the last quarter. And maybe she'll think I'm slightly moving into fourth gear. Not sure about that, but that was beautiful. Oh, that's so great. Mine was the hangers. Mm. I just like the snaps at goal, Nicole. I just feel like this year we've seen people taking their, like, not wasting their shot, taking a hanger when they could. And the hangers, speckies, marks, whatever you want to call them, they are actually, It's remi- I'm always reminded when I see them, they're my favourite part of this game and this code because they're really the cherry on top. I think it's what defines us. It's what makes the game really different. And the comp this season has really um, received some gifts in that. There was some great ones this week. Ellie McKenzie was probably my pick. She's the one I voted for. You know you can vote. Do you vote every week for no, Mark of the Year? Notice. So you just go to AFLW vote. In, you put it in Google and then it pops up and you can vote. Nice. So it's between um, Ellie McKenzie, Roxy Rue and Caitlin Gould from the Crows. All exceptional um, marks this week. But that's the that's the other joy of, I mean, I'm always looking for the gifts at the end of the season because I'm so bereft that it's over. But to find out who's going to win Mark of the Year and Goal of the Year. And I think we've got some really spectacular <laughs> options this, this Season. I really want Mackenzie to become the Jezelenko of the W. I think we can make Mac-o. that happen, right? Can you do it? Mackenzie! <laughs> You'll be up there. <laughs> uh, of course, Roxy and Caitlin can still make it to the grand final, so maybe they'll get a grand final berth and they won't need to have won Mark of the Year. But to discuss the key matchups for the finals ahead, we welcome AFLW analyst and expert Gemma Bastiani back to the Outer Sanctum. How are you going, Gem? 
I'm very excited. How are you? Oh, well, we're in for an absolute treat. I mean, the last round was a treat. The last couple of rounds have been a treat. We don't know who's going to win this. And so we, we called you because we want you to tell us the answer. Who will win? <laughs> <laughs> That's the most difficult question anyone could possibly ask right now. It really is. Can we start off with who have been your standouts, your highlights, the teams that have really come on in leaps and bounds this season? Can I just change your question to which player do I want to talk about? Because uh, there's one player in particular who has been absolutely outstanding the past couple of weeks since they've been uh, moved into the midfield, and that's Eden Zanka um, at the Demons. She, between rounds one and five, uh, was averaging 10.4 disposals and and 1.6 tackles. Since round six, she's gone up to 9.3 disposals a game, 3.8 tackles, and 322 metres gained each game since she's been moved into the midfield, and it's been a revelation for the Demons. Given that Daisy isn't going to be playing this weekend, how important is Eden Zanger being in the midfield going to be for them? (laughs) Well, it's important as well, and the the fact that Melbourne has that little bit of flexibility with their list to be able to structure some things a little bit differently. So we saw that Daisy was moved into the the forward line a couple of weeks ago. That actually gives Melbourne more flexibility to cover her than they would have if they were still relying on her in that back, back um, defensive role. So it's actually, as much as we want to see Daisy playing, want to see her playing finals, it's not as bad as it could have been for the Demons. Well, that's a really good point to make. They've they've been unbeatable at Casey this season, the Ds. Last time they met Frio, it was in the West, though, and the Ds won it with just this clutch goal in the dying minutes. Is that what we can expect this weekend? Yeah, I think we've, we can't underestimate how frustrated Fremantle will be with their last minute losses in the past couple of weeks and that should be a bit of a warning sign I think because Fremantle are really proud and will want to rectify that. Um, Also the last time these two teams played at Casey Fields was round one 2019 where Kiara Bowers made her debut and kicked a a clutch goal for Fremantle to win a come from behind win so um, it's set up to be quite a spectacle I think. Hey, Gemma, it's Rana. I want to just rewind for a little bit and talk about the season that was. You mentioned to me once an amazing stat about Ebony Marinoff and the amount of disposals she's had for the last three seasons or something. I'm totally putting you on the spot, but can you tell me a bit about her? Because I, I remember that just blew my mind. I think at the time we spoke, she'd had 12 games in a row of 20-plus disposals, um, which is just remarkable given the short game time and all that sort of stuff. She's still incredibly important and still gets a lot of the ball. I think that streak has continued. But the the fact that they've got way more support in that midfield has allowed her and Anna Hatchard to play more of an outside game and have a little bit more of an impact. So they've got Hannah Button and Rochelle Martin in that midfield laying those tackles so they don't have to do the protective stuff. They can get the ball on the outside and and get the ball forward, which I think has been really important to Adelaide's success this year. Well, we do have to wait a week before we see them come back on field. I want (laughs) to ask you, though, about this Collingwood-North Melbourne game that is coming up. Collingwood have a depleted back line and I'm interested in your thoughts on how they're going to match up against a really formidable north forward line. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one because the the Collingwood defence has been the thing that's really held them up and propped them up this season and obviously having such a stellar record that they've had. They are actually conceding the lowest average score each week at just 21 points. Um, So it's really important, but also the other thing that they do is they actually generate a lot of their attack out of the, that defensive half. Stacey Livingston and, and Ruby Schleicher in particular like to get the ball moving out of defence and actually create attack. Because they've, they've lost Jordan Allen and um, Lauren Butler, and now they've lost Sophie Casey for this weekend, they, mm. they won't necessarily be able to play as freely, I think, and be able to generate as much because they'll have to be far more accountable to their direct opponents. And I think that might be something that will hold... Collingwood back just a little bit this weekend, given the fact that North Melbourne are averaging 4.7 goal kickers a game. So they've got a really good spread um, of goal kickers each week, which makes it that much harder for Collingwood's defence. In that game too, hi Gemma, it's Nicole. Um, We've got uh, several players who, uh, former um, Pies who are now at North Melbourne, including Emma King. Uh, She's had a bit of a a week, (laughs) Um, a very lucky one, I think most of us would agree. 
But I imagine there's going to be a bit of spice in that game. And Emma King likes to play with a bit of spice. Do you think this experience this week will sort of take the edge off for her? And But given the history with of playing with uh, Collingwood before, I don't know, which way do you think it's going to go? Just because of that um, backline issue and, and the fact that last time they played this year, North were held goalless, which mm. is only the third time in AFLW history that's ever happened. And North Melbourne are generally quite a high-scoring team. So you've... You've got to think they've learned a lot from that game and have changed things coming into this one. They've also got Jess Duffin back, which I think is a really big plus for North Melbourne as well because that structurally just helps them so much. So, yeah, Garner, Emma King, Jess Duffin, all ex-Pies, but then there's the extra layer of Scott Gowans being at the Pies after being the head coach of North Melbourne for their first two years. So there's a lot to like. I'm leaning towards North uh, in this one. Hi, Gemma, it's Julia. We'll also see uh, Jenna Bruton available after she wasn't available last week. And I feel like in that stellar North lineup, she's always underrated, even though she's such a superstar. What do you think she can bring? Yeah, absolutely underrated because you think of North, you think of Garner, you think of Carney, even Riddell is kind of picking that up. I think she can bring a lot because it releases Riddell to play a little bit differently. So last week we saw Riddell have to just go into that midfield and play that really inside role and she absolutely stepped up to the challenge. She had, I think, nine clearances, which was the most on the ground. What it allows them to do is have more free run through the midfield because Riddell can use that that run through rather than having to be that inside player the whole time. Um, so it just creates a little bit more balance for them. And, and Bruton is just a, a terrier almost. She attacks <laughs> the ball so strongly and it just lifts the team as well, I think. Hey, Gemma, we know that the fixtures um, made raised a few eyebrows for people who won't be able to get to both games. What are you going to do on the day? <laughs> Helicopter. Cry. <laughs> um, yeah, it is frustrating. We've, we've got to consider the fact that, you know, it's not all on the AFL. They uh, have their hands tied by broadcasters as well. So it's a lot of different people having their say. And also the fact that men's footy is on, which seems to take priority despite this being finals. It, we can't ignore the fact that it's frustrating though, because fans of AFLW are fans of AFLW. They want to be at both games and one being in Casey and one being in Collingwood back to back makes it physically impossible to be at both. So I'll be sitting in my car after the Casey game, uh, watching it on iPad. Well, Gemma, thank you so much for joining us. You are the queen of AFLW stats. And then you'll just, at the end of the season, switch your crown and you'll put on your queen of AFLM stats. We are so proud of what you've achieved and the support you've given the competition this season. And we wish you all the very best. It is Christmas for nerds like you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you having me back. I'm Darcy Vessio and you're listening to the Outer Sanctum Podcast. Collingwood's Steph Kiochi is getting ready to play finals and what better way to prepare than doing an entire day being a teacher at school? Rana and Julia caught up with her earlier. Hi, Steph. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Outer Sanctum. I wanted to start by asking you, I think Collingwood's improved year on year in the AFLW and this year you have been a force to be reckoned with. What do you think's contributed to that change? Yeah, look, we obviously have taken some big strides forward in the past um, season and a half, I'd say. Um, We didn't start off very well in the inaugural season and I reckon only won a handful of games in the the next two. So, um, look, I think we've just got a a different mindset, um, a different game plan with the new coach. Um, So Steve Simons, who came in, um, in June 2019 with our VFL program and obviously as our head coach from last year and, you know, really reignited, um, I suppose, our passion for the game and we had a really young list that, you know, have different strengths and went just playing to those strengths. So it's been really pleasing to see our development over the past two years and I think keeping together the core group, I think we had 24 of the same girls, you know, sign on from last year, which is really important. Continuity is really important in our game. So, the more we play together, obviously, the better we will be. And I think that's um, definitely showing this season. Uh, hi, Steph. It's Julia here. How do you bounce back as a group after last week's disappointing loss in Adelaide? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, we've lost two of the last three games. If you look at it that way, you know, we can definitely dwell on that. But I think you've just got to look forward. We've got a qualifying final now against North Melbourne, who we played in last year's, you know, qualifying final. So, It's a bit freaky how that sort of turned out. But, look, we'll have to take the learnings from our loss against Adelaide. Um, They're a very, very good outfit. I think they'll go 
very close to winning it this year. So um, we definitely have to take um, the learnings from it, but also look at the positives. Um, we won the second half. Um, once we got our game going, um, we lifted in our intensity and our pressure, and that's something that we're going to have to focus on this weekend when it comes to finals footy. So can't dwell too much on it. We're already looking forward um, ahead um, to playing North Melbourne and getting the job done on Saturday. Well, speaking of that game against North Melbourne, you'll be playing against a few former Pies. Emma King, Jazzy Garner come to mind. Does that add extra fuel to the fire? Uh, it, it doesn't at this stage, um, but there's a few ex-Pies running around in the league, isn't there? Um, <laughs> I think we've only got the five girls that we're involved in our inaugural team. So, yeah, there's a few of those girls running around. But, no, look, we're really looking forward to the challenge. Having played alongside Emma King and, and Jazzy Garner, they're both great players. It's always a tough battle when we play them and play play North Melbourne. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be hotly contested and hopefully we end up on top. Steph, you've played a massive role in women's footy in Victoria for over a decade. What does the game mean to you? Yeah, look, it, it's really hard to put into words, I think, Jules. You know, having been involved with, with Diamond Creek for 12 years and, you know, playing against Darabin and, you know, lots and lots of AFLW listed players, um, I think it'll be something that when I when I stop playing, I'll reflect on and go, you know what, it was quite significant what we've done. Um, but, you know, footy for me, it's all about inclusion. It's about giving girls an opportunity to play football from, you know, a very young age and have a clear pathway now into the AFLW. So it's paving the way for the future. And, you know, I feel very lucky that I've been able to play at AFLW level. There's many female footballers that have gone before me that, have been really pivotal in, in women's footy that haven't had a chance to play. You know, Shiloh Curtis, Debbie Lee, um, you know, Peter Searle, to name a few. The, these women are really influential in, in driving this league and didn't get a chance to play at the top level. So I just feel very lucky and, you know, I'll do whatever I can to continue to, to be a role model for, for younger generations and, um, you know, hold this competition in good stead for the future. Speaking of being a role model for younger generations, we know that you're a teacher. I want to know, what will you pull out of your teacher toolkit ahead of this final series? <laughs> it's probably more so the leadership side of it, uh, being a teacher and, you know, I'm a year-level coordinator, so just sort of tapping into how to how to deal with people. You know, we've got a quite a young list in terms of experience going into this final and it's really important that we know I know how my teammates tick and what gets the best out of them. So just supporting them on game day, on the lead up to game day, no doubt they're going to be quite nervous, but just keeping them focused and on track and um, trying to get the best out of them come Saturday. Speaking of your teammates, we've seen many of your players take a step up this year and have a really big impact. What can you tell us about Ruby Slicer, who's having a great year? If you've ever had the the privilege of meeting Ruby, she's um, she's one out of the box. Um, (laughs) She's just, yeah... She brings so much energy and vibrancy to our team. And look, Ruby's from WA and she made the move over as an 18-year-old when she got drafted, you know, which is big in in anyone's books, Um, you know, as an 18-year-old kid to go across the country and play football. So she's had to sort of grow up really quickly. And I think the benefit of of Ruby's is she had so much talent, but it was untapped talent. And she's gone away and and played in the WA League, sorry, I should say, over the winter you know, where we obviously didn't get a chance to play here in Victoria. So she's gone back, had a really solid season there and got her body right. And, you know, in my eyes, the number one defender in the league or number one rebounding defender in the league, you know, all Australian contention and um, really driving us from down there. It's credit to her and her hard work. Steph, if the Magpies' dreams come true and you do progress to the grand final, who of the remaining other teams do you want to play against that day? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I think we're on the, we're on the side of the draw that would see us play um, Brisbane in a prelim. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're opposite to Adelaide, Melbourne and Fremantle. So, oh, gee, it'd be nice to play Melbourne, wouldn't it, given it's two Victorian teams and everything <laughs> we've gone through in lockdown. I think that would be, yeah, I think that would be really amazing, to be honest, to have two Victorian teams there on the last day of our season, um, given what we've all gone through. But, yeah, I think that would be pretty Pretty, um, pretty special. Is there anyone you want to line up against that day? I'd say Maddie Gay because I know she's on the net. So, yeah, I'd love to, to line up on Maddie Gay. Um, she's probably got the wood over me in terms of the inside ball, but I reckon I'd give her a run for her money on the outside. I think you definitely would. I'm totally interrupting here. Hi, Steph. It's Emma Race. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm good. Nicole and I are standing by to speak to Maddie and... 
is she right there sitting next to you? Just in the other room. I think she's having breakfast at the moment. So. Well, that was so enjoyable mm. listening to you chat with Rana and Julia, and we wish you the very best of luck. But can you pass the phone over oh, to Melbourne's I'll Maddie Gay? <laughs> Pass it on. Hold on a second. <laughs> Thanks very much, girls. See you later. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> you saved a phone call that way. Uh, this is so economical. It's very ABC. I call my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hey, how are you going? <laughs> well, she's just identified that she'd like most to match up on you on grand final day, which we would love to see as well. But the D's need to get there first, Maddie. It's Emma Race here. I should introduce myself. But um, I've been interested in watching the D's this season because you've slayed the percentage dragon that's really um, been haunting the D's hopes for the last couple of campaigns. Was that part of your strategy, owning your destiny this season? Yeah, I think so. I think um, with the start of the year and the whole the, the trade period, a lot of um, a lot of people thought we were out of the the race for the finals. Um, but we all had belief in it and and trusted the the process of Todd Patterson picking the right plays for our team and our culture. And I think he's done a really good job. And those young guns have stepped up and um, shown their skills. And yeah, I think um, as a team, we've just absolutely nailed what we needed to do to to make the final race. Maddie, it's Nicole Hayes here. Um, you guys have had like been tested full on the last few weeks, coming up against the other finals contenders in uh, and beating Adelaide, Frio, and Brisbane. Um, what are you like? The, what have the last three games done for you guys in terms of confidence going into the final series? Yeah, it's given us a lot of confidence. Um, seeing that those three teams are in the, the finals as well, and I think. With the, the last three weeks being announced and everyone's like, oh, no, look at Melbourne's run home, I think it just gave us more confidence to, to beat those sides. And I've used the term, you got to beat the best to be the best. And I think that was just a, a perfect ending to the season because it, it gave us a feel of finals and it made, it made us start our final series three weeks ago. So this week just feels like a normal week, which is good. Maddie, you kicked the winning goal against Fremantle in round eight in what was an unbelievably exciting game for spectators to watch. Are you watching that on repeat this week Uh, as part of your prep? (laughs) Uh, I've missed a few previous weeks, so I sort of owed it to the girls, but I was very, very, very nervous going back to that goal. But I was also quite knackered. I don't know if you remember, but I took a while to get up off the ground with Daisy's kick. But no, it was just good to put it through. And I hope I don't have to do that like a winning goal ever again because the pressure was just, yeah. <laughs> Too much. Um, yeah. We always we always believe that that's the thing of football dreams, but I, I think I would feel the pressure too. So I'm pleased to hear you say that. Of course, you did that at Frio's home ground, which was incredibly impressive. This weekend, you're going to meet them at Casey, which is a tricky, windy, inhospitable place, but you've made it a fortress this season. How does meeting Frio on home turf impact your mindset? Yeah, we knew it was going to be hard, and they've got some really good Frio fans that get behind them as well, so it was a good crowd there. Um, And then, obviously, the travel, the heat um, takes a bit of a toll as well. Um, So it's good to have them on our home deck this week, but yeah, it's definitely an advantage for them when you have to travel over there, the time difference and everything. But we're very excited to have them at Casey, as you said. We love playing there and hopefully have that advantage on Saturday. Uh, you mentioned Daisy and we've already sort of had a chat about that um, on the show, but um, how much of a difference, how do you feel that role? I mean, you know, we, you came up with the win uh, and obviously Daisy went down two minutes into the game. So you clearly know how to fill the hole on the day, but in terms of preparation and leadership and all of those sorts of things coming into the finals, how are you guys uh, approaching that? Uh, we're actually going okay. And she's, she's been fantastic. Like on, on that day, she was already on the bench supporting us, giving us feedback, trying to calm us all down, um, as Daisy does. She's incredible. But then just throughout the week, she's she's just roaming around, doing what she needs to do, but also just being there for support, um, which we would expect nothing less, which is amazing. But we've also had a, a really good leadership group this year, like Tyler Hanks, Lily Miff and Kate Hall. Like They're all stepping up to the plate as well, even being young. They've just, they seem like they're experienced and sort of tell that out in the footy field. So we're all pretty calm. And even the the week against Frio, we didn't have our head coach as well. So we've shown that we can do it without certain people as much as we'd love everyone to be involved. But, yeah, I think it's just given us confidence to, to know that we can do it 
that is two pretty big outs two weeks in a row, isn't it? Your coach yeah. and, and uh, you know, a, a player like Daisy Pierce. Um, you guys are really stepping up. Uh, another player we're seeing some really exciting um, play from is uh, Tyler Hanks, who probably was very unlucky to have to not get the goal awarded to her a few weeks ago um, that was, would have been game winner uh, and does raise that question about the AFLW having goal review in, you know, ideally yeah. in the final series, but at all. Um, do you have thoughts on that? Uh, look, yeah, there's been a few this year that we've thought have gone through, but apparently not. Um, so I would absolutely love to get the, the goal review in place for AFLW. But, um, yeah, look, we all celebrated like it was a goal. Um, <laughs> and we can we can celebrate like it's a goal for every point as well if we want. So I, I reckon we should get it in place, but I think that's, yeah, the AFL's cool. Maddie, it's Emma again. You've got so many superstars in your team, plus you've got um, Karen Paxman's mullet, which takes a lot of attention <laughs> away from other people. I'm wondering, have we missed anyone that we haven't been talking about that deserves a bit more attention from the D's side? Because, you know, they're just quietly doing their job and, and we haven't picked up on that yet. There's 30 girls that I can talk about. <laughs> but I, I adore um, Eden Zanker. I think her move to the middle was, has helped us in those past three games. Just having a bigger body, we were going in quite small, but she's young. She'll get a lot more credit as she grows, but I think um, for now she's just absolutely killing it um, alongside, obviously, Tyler as well. So it's just really cool to see those young girls stepping up and absolutely nailing it week by week. Um, Mick Stenier, of course, missed that game against Frio because his wife was about to have a baby. Has the baby arrived? It has, yes. It arrived on the weekend after our game, which was pretty cool. Um, so he had a win and then went home and obviously... Rachie's wife um, had had a baby, so yeah, that was really cool. Do you know what's? Do you know what is really great as a present for people who've just had a baby? Yeah, is a prim, is a premiership cup, and <laughs> the baby fits in it nicely. One. So I don't know if you wanted to share that with the team. Now, just before we let you go, you are living with someone who's also you know traveling this amazing journey, but for a different team in a different jumper. Do you guys do all of your food prep and all of your motivational prep hiding? in the cupboard and the pantry from each other or do you share are you sharing what you know what your preparation looks like this week yeah sometimes uh, like throughout the season we'll have the, a game on the same day so we'll have our passes the same night and stuff like that which is pretty cool but we're probably a little bit lazy with meal prep we could be a little bit better with that but when we did play each other she pretended to to put something in my pasta that would make me sit on the toilet for the whole day, but um, <laughs> it didn't happen, luckily. But yeah, we like to joke about that. But no, we, we probably should be better with our meal prep. And then, as soon as your game is over, will you be, you know, putting your um, headphones on to listen to the other game that that comes on after? Yeah, definitely. Either I'll I'll stay at Casey and chuck the TV on, or um, yeah, definitely put the headphones in so I can so I can listen to see how that game's going. Well, Maddie Gay, we wish you all the very best of luck for this weekend. We've really enjoyed what the D's have been able to produce this season. Um, have fun out there. It's a real dream. Thanks very much. Fingers crossed the D's get up. I'm Ali Blackburn and you're listening to the Yadda Sanctum. All right, are you ready to roll up your sleeves and melee, ladies? The last couple of weeks we've been talking about, uh, we've been shining a light on gender inequalities, but a lot of that conversation has been through the prism of whiteness. Rana's been itching to say something and we're <laughs> desperate to let her do that. <laughs> but um, in the last couple of days, that conversation has kind of shifted and opened up to a reckoning of sorts, especially on social media. Um, with a conversation about racist characters on football-themed radio shows. And even this week in the group chat, Rana, you shared the way that you felt growing up and seeing how Kamal was treated on Hey Hey It's Saturday. And I just wanted to give you the mic to say, you know, can you, are you happy to share how that made you feel? Absolutely. And yeah, I took to Twitter when I saw that clip of um, that montage of Hey Hey, bits and pieces of Kamal being treated quite poorly, actually. And the reason, look, I want to say as well that I don't love being the person that brings this up all the time, even though it is my job as well. And I tend to do that um, because I feel like it's important. And usually comments and incidences like these in the media, I let slip by me. But this time it felt really important for a few different reasons. So the Hey Hey Saturday stuff, look, I grew up with that. It was the background of my life. We watched it every Saturday night and we would sit around in the lounge room and just think, oh my God, poor Kamal, and just really feel it in the gut, actually. Um, but what we did 
we also continued watching um, because that's all that was offered up to us by way of representation. So you tend to just accept it. And the thing that I felt suddenly when this came out on Twitter was, oh, finally I can tell people how I actually felt or the other stuff that was going on in and around that time. And similarly, I've seen that happen with women at the moment where when people, other people speak up, you feel like you can then contribute about what you've been feeling. Um, but it really broke my heart when Media Watch then explored an incident on Triple M in the Rue and Dits show. They use a character called Tommy, which is a Chinese takeaway store character. Um, it's really difficult to talk about because I actually find it quite offensive. And the problem for me is that this is how multicultural Australia see themselves in the mainstream media. And often, you know, people might be asking, what does this have to do with football? And this is the point I wanted to make, that the AFL and clubs scratch their heads about how do we engage cultural diversity and culturally diverse communities. And I want to say that when ex-stars bat this kind of stuff up on their shows when it's tokenistic measures that are put in place at the AFL, when representation is purely stereotypes, then why would we engage in this game? I was at a high school yesterday talking to a group of culturally diverse kids and there was about 40 of them. 20 of them were Anglo-Celtic, 20 of them were culturally diverse. When I asked who's into AFL, it was all the Anglo-Celtic kids who put their hand up and the culturally diverse kids just shrugged their shoulders. When I talked about basketball and soccer, they shot their hands up straight away and I thought, bang, here we are. This is why we wouldn't tune into the AFL. Yeah, it's interesting. And through that conversation, I just want to make it very clear that um, the ABC hasn't been without um, some questions because there could have been champions who are colleagues of ours. They had a character called Guru Bob and we sought comment from them about what was happening with that character. And Rani, you have the comment, you have the statement from the could have been champions there. I do. They said that Guru Bob hasn't been on the program since 2019 and they've made a conscious decision to retire him as they didn't think he was the right thing to do moving forward. And look, I commend them for that. And I'm glad that these things came across my life through people calling it out. So I didn't actually come across it just by engaging with these particular media uh, moments. But because people called it out, Uh, I feel a sense of comfort around all of this. But I did was also contacted on Twitter around Guru Bob and a question came up as to is it ever okay to do a voice that's not from your culture or community? Is it ever okay for white people to caricature people of colour? And the thing I want to say to that is, Yes, context is important, but the problem is in an environment where structural inequality and cultural marginalisation are very real for people of colour, then caricatures like this just are not helpful at all and it does feel like you're punching down. So I think the broader context means that it's kind of not okay and if you can't be funny without it, then what is that saying? You're maybe not funny. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not funny anyway, if everyone's not laughing, maybe. It's really, I feel like I'm stumbling over my words today, but that tells you how uncomfortable this conversation makes me feel. And when I brought it up to, to you as a team, I was still uncomfortable because there was a big part of me that felt like saying, okay, but maybe it is just a joke, but I don't like it. I don't want to see it anymore. I think um, just to unpack even that feeling of discomfort, I'll never forget a friend of mine asking disability rights advocate, um, Stella Young, when is it okay for an able-bodied person to use the disability toilet? And she said, never. It's never okay. It's not there for you. Again, when there's structural inequalities that cannot allow people in chairs to be able to get into certain buildings, um, it's never okay because you don't understand everything that's gone before. So, I, you know, I feel like this is such an important conversation and I'm really grateful for you bringing that to us today. Kamala always made me feel very uncomfortable. I never understood. I never understood that. I never understood the um, LGBTIQ mocking 
I never understood just anything sexism. that was the sexism. Everything mm. that was going on in that show was, you know, heartbreaking and bizarre. Well, when I would see Kamal being treated that way, I would think about my dad and the stories he's told of feeling humiliated by certain things in his life. And that's, it was, it's the sense of humiliation that really gets you. Yeah. Nicole? Yeah, I kind of, I was really interested in this in particular because in the example of Hey Hate Saturday, it reminded me of, um, and John Blackman's responses, which was to double down. Um, That's how he treated it. And it reminded me of um, the footy show, uh, the response to the Robert Muir story that Russell Jackson wrote. And one of the producers who um, whose name escapes me for the moment, um, and he's blocked me on Twitter, uh, <laughs> because I asked him if he had any regrets. He actually recognised the the power of that story, and I asked him if he had any regrets. And and like John Blackman, his attitude was no. And, uh, you know, that they, they were... Uh, they were agent in their own decisions and, and they participated, all of the same stuff we've heard a million times before, completely ignoring the power disparity there. But what I think is really interesting is these men have the opportunity years later to review errors, things that they have done wrong in the past. They have the potential and the opportunity to, to apologise to the people they've harmed. We've all made mistakes. We don't always get the opportunity to apologise or to have that ability to retros- to retrospectively make good. And rather than see it as a gift that mm. it is, they double down. Mm. They refuse to see. There's no reflection. There's no self-actualization. There's no evolution of these people. And so there's a part of me that almost feels sorry for them because Mm. there's something really missing in their lives if they're not able to see the gift that they were given in many ways as an opportunity to apologise and redress. The other thing I think is that, and I've said this before on the podcast, that The AFL and clubs are doing a power of work to course correct in this way, but time and time again, it seems like broadcasters are the ones letting it down. Emma, you talk about the shop front. The broadcast and the footy media are the shop front of the game, and it seems to be like that's the space now where we need to do some work. And it's the space that's still incredibly white and incredibly male. And, you know, further I'll refer back to when we are talking about growing the game and, and, you know, that we suggested it was insincere when the AFL tried to go to India because you don't see any, you know, real attempt to include um, people from called backgrounds in the game here at a grassroots level. And, and this is a reason why it's a blockage. And, you know, your stats about, you know, what happened at the school yesterday is exactly why. I do want to say thank you for sharing that, Rana, because it's a lived experience. It's so personal and it's painful and yeah. it's very vulnerable what you've just shared with us. And we're very grateful. And thank you. Thank you. Thank everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Do you, you all. practice your acceptance speech for your Academy Award now? Okay, a couple of weeks ago, Julie, you did to suggest that goal line technology was a matter of equity. Did you see, I just by chance, did you happen to see that in round 14, Ballarat will host an AFL-M game and they're going to fit out that ground mm. with goal line technology for one game? Well, isn't it interesting that some problems can be solved with will and investment. Imagine that. Imagine that. And the thing that really, you know, is so bamboozling about that is that it was after the game in Alice Springs last year in August where there was a bit of a doozy in the men's competition with with there being no goal line technology um, that the AFL decided that they were going to roll out goal line technology to every game that an AFL M uh game was going to be played for points. They said that at all venues we will roll out uh, this technology. But there's something about the all venues <laughs> with the no asterisks that really grinds your gears, doesn't it? Because aren't we part of the all? I thought we were part of the all. <laughs> it, makes, it makes it very a very good argument for there being like, for example, a term like AFL-M and AFL-W because mm. I wanted them to be specific. And I did ask that question on Twitter and no one could answer me. So when they said all venues that are being used for premiership points will get goal line technology, I said, does that include the women's game? I'm yet to find out. No, that's right. No, at this point, given it's (laughs) we've got one in a few days and it's not happened. No, that's right. And I think we, we, the collective of outer sanctum people and people who listen to this podcast, keep getting told that when all 
is referred to, that we're not part of it. You know, we had this week the, the Prime Minister says that there's a Prime Minister for women and, yes, it might have been a slip of the tongue, but the fact that it came out shows that when some people say that they are for the people, there is an asterisk. Mm. And I think that we keep hearing from young women and girls that these are the messages that actually count. Mm. These are the messages that count. And and what it says to those girls is it raises the question of, don't I even matter? Mm. That's a very good question. And just if we were going to have a Prime Minister for Goal Line Technology, would you be that Prime Minister for us, <laughs> Julia? <laughs> I don't know about my vision for that. I am getting new glasses. Um, I did want to run through with you because it is the end of the AFLW Home and Away season. I just wanted to do a little segment called um, Rules with Jules. <laughs> But you don't like being called Jules, so I'm going to call it Rulia with Julia. <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to pick your brain on rules that we need to keep and or maybe get rid of because the AFLW does have a few little unique rules. 16 aside, do you think we should stick with 16 aside? I'd love for us to move back to 18 aside, I've got to say. This is the first year I coach in VFLW um, and this is the first year that we're actually seeing 16 aside at that level, but it doesn't extend any lower than that. So there is a weird thing that happens where, you know, girls will play their junior careers 18 aside and then suddenly they need to shift. I think the argument around 16 aside over the first few years was that it was going to help the congestion problem, the perceived congestion problem in AFLW and it was going to create more scoring opportunities. And I guess I've, you know, I watch a lot of women's football and I would, I would see, you know, every single game, multiple opportunities where the team works really hard to get the ball out of defence. They bring it through the middle third and then, oh, geez, wouldn't that be nice for there to be a six forward to kick it to? Yes. Um, and so I think that it would actually improve um, the, the scoring element. It would improve congestion because the other part of it is we're five years in. The majority of girls have had five pre-seasons. It's still a part-time competition. I don't think, we don't know if it'll ever be a full-time competition. And if so, it's not going to be in the next five years, I don't think. So the bodies we've got out there, I think they are as fit and as fast as they can be. So this is the reality that we're dealing with. I do think that 16 aside speaks to some kind of other level of endurance that mm. these girls cannot develop because they're not full time. I think they've they've maxed out at that. So I would love to see it come back to 18 aside. I think that it would it would help. Uh, it would at least provide two more girls an opportunity to play each week and develop more and it would help with the the fluid transition of ball movement. I think that that would really improve. And if you had 18 aside, you could get rid of the lasso rule because then you'd have those extra bodies because the lasso rule is really has been implemented. I know there's been some tweaks because of whether it's in the 50 um, zone, arc, yeah. um, in the arc zone, arc, sorry. And so then you would have more bodies to be able to cover that amount of ground, which is what they're trying to do to get the ball back in play. But you don't like the lasso rule, do you? No, I don't. I think because I'm a defender at heart and I think it really punishes defenders mm. who are trying to clear the ball out of the back line and you're taught as a defender you clear via the boundary because that's the safest part. And I think the other the other part of it is is that when they throw the ball back in, they bring it in 10, 15, 20 metres. So I, I think that that kind of Does fixes it. Yeah. You know, if the ball is running out over the line but then the throw in – pretty much brings it back to the corridor. Doesn't that fix it? I think that it's it's really punishing and it kind of change, it just changes the game. It changes the whole structure of the game. And when you watch men's footy, you see how the boundary line is used as a tool, a good tool, and women mm. don't get that opportunity. And one final really quick one, Julia, the size of the footy. Now, we know that the size of the footy um, is meant to reflect the, the smaller size of women's hands, but it also doesn't go as far. So if you're going to have a 50-metre penalty, but a ball can't be kicked that far because it's a smaller unit, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I think many people are saying that 50 metres is too far. I think that, you know, most girls can kick a comfortable 30 so 50 is such a huge punishment. And then we've also seen the ways in which that's really adjudicated that so many 50 metres 
penalties get paid because of encroachment. And that to me is just such an enormous punishment, especially when girls aren't even, they're not going for the person who has the ball. They're just trying to transition down the field or they're trying to follow their opponent. There's absolutely no intent to get in front of the goal, the the person with the ball, the ball carrier's face. So it's just such an incredible punishment. I'd ha- look takeaway encroachment. I'd, that's the other thing I hate <laughs> yeah. um, in in all forms of the game. But bring it down to thirty or thirty five or something. I can't believe that the outer sanctum doesn't get someone on the rules of the game committee or on the um, competition <laughs> oh. committee for the AFLW. But thank you for that. That's um, that wraps up Rulia with Julia for two thousand and twenty one. <laughs> we'll obviously have it coming back next year when we review the rules. I'm Sabrina Frederick, and you're listening to the Outer Sanctum. Okay, it's time for final business. I just want to raise something. There's no banners at the moment. We haven't seen banners yet back for the season. We're going to finals. I haven't seen a mascot all season. Oh, poor Em. I mean, it's I like... I know, love. It's like I'm a twitcher for mascots and I haven't <laughs> seen one for 18 months. And I just needed to real. share it because... How do you know you're at the football? Why am I at a t-shirt? I'm a twitcher for mascots. I'm a twitcher for mascots. Um, okay, the details for the finals coming up. I'm coming to you, Julia Kiera. So this weekend we have Melbourne playing Fremantle, five past one Melbourne time. Adjust for your time zone out at Casey. We wanted Frio to travel as west as possible, (laughs) uh, as east as possible even. Uh, And then at 3.10 we've got Collingwood take on the Kangaroos at Vic Park. Don't get a speeding ticket. Mm. Could you even make it in the car? I don't think you could make it. You couldn't make you it. You need a helicopter. Jet plane. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Rana, there's just been some late-breaking news coming to you in the newsroom. Oh, there has been. Sure has been. If you're a fan of the grand final sprint in the AFL-M, you'll be very pleased to hear that now there will be a grand final sprint at the AFLW grand final of the weekend of April 17th and 18th. Basically, we're going to see a whole bunch of women running really, really fast. This makes me hope that Courtney Hodder and Hmm. Alicia Newman are not required for the finals because I want to see them race against each other. Having said that, they would probably prefer to play finals (laughs) than be in the grand finals. Brent, Nicole, have you got some news? Yeah, I want to do, we want to do the Outer Sanctum, a a shout out to um, excellent human and brilliant journalist Russell Jackson for his Gold Quill Award win um, for his piece on Robert Muir for the ABC. Um, It was an extraordinary piece. It forced everybody to have a hard conversation as the best journalism does and, you know, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. It's so true. And just on that, you know, people are saying at the moment, oh, you can't even laugh about anything anymore because of political correctness and, you know, which is obviously not true. And we talked about this in the Malay Rana. Uh, I've been going to see lots of shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and I've had lots of laughs and there's been lots of things to laugh about. But one of the weird things that happened is I saw a show by David Quirk. It's actually the entire show is about Russell Jackson oh, and about excellent. his journalism. <laughs> and there's this meta moment where he's talking about Russell Jackson, something that he had written that made David Quirk quite unhappy just as Russell Jackson, they were both on stage at the same time, Russell Jackson accepting his golden quill (laughs) and David Quirk absolutely canning him for some terrible journalism. It made me really laugh. But the other thing that you know that AFLW is in the zeitgeist because I've seen it mentioned in more than one show and every time it wasn't the butt of the joke, I can assure you of that, there was people saying, I'm jealous I see little girls playing footy and then when they drop the ball, I think that should have been me. (laughs) I think we've all felt that. Uh Um, It is time for us to get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Enjoy the finals. And if anyone does have a helicopter, let us know because we'd love to get to both games. There's nothing else left for us to say except for... Go Go footy! footy!